Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, February the 29th, 2024 on When I when I Rise. So we continue year B, the third Sunday in Lent, and on the Thursday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary, in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves back in the book of 1 Corinthians. We were there just a little bit ago, so now we're back. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18-25 through 25. The word of the cross, you see, is madness to people who are being destroyed, but to us, those who are being saved, it is God's power. This is what the Bible says, after all. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the shrewdness of the clever I'll abolish. Where is this wise person? Where is the educated person? Where is the debater of this age? Don't you see that God has turned the world's wisdom into folly? This is how it's happened. God In God's wisdom, the world didn't know God through wisdom, so it gave God pleasure through the folly of our proclamation to save those who believe. Jews look for signs, you see, and Greeks search for wisdom. But we announce the crucified Messiah, a scandal to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but those who are called, Jews and Greeks alike, the Messiah, God's power and God's wisdom. God's folly is wiser than humans, you see, and God's weakness is stronger than humans. This is the word of God for us. All right, so I have a soft spot in my heart for the Apostle Paul. Um, of course, he's been a brilliant thinker. Obviously, his writings landed in the New Testament. He's been known all over the world several times over, and therefore we should admire him. Sure, his words travel, but he was up to a difficult task. He was trying to plant multi-ethnic churches in a very complicated time. And being someone like him, who was like a sectarian Jew, to go into foreign lands and to try to figure out all these ethical codes and what would be best with uh, ancient Judaism in mind, but also with the modern world. He was just trying to, I don't know, herd cats might be the best way to describe what he's trying to do. Or if nothing else, he's this, you know, he's trying to be this maestro, trying to keep in sync all these different instruments of spirituality and faith and politics and philosophy. And so and he go, when he goes from place to place, we should expect a bit of a texture to his teaching. Um, because even though, of, of course, uh, the Apostle Paul is cos- very cosmopolitan, he was also um, wanting to plant local churches, like keeping the zip code in mind. And we've talked about it several times here in When I Rise. The, the Corinthian church must have been tough. Um, there were some well-to-do people who had uh, ambitions and they wanted to have their church to be as excellent as possible. And so we do get in the later parts of the second letter, him sparring with this idea of excellence and uh, how super apostles are beginning to nudge him out of favor with the Corinthian church. 
And so he's got to set a tone, right? Right early on in this first letter, he wants to address disunity in all of its various forms. He wants to put corporate worship in a more orderly fashion. He does want spiritual gifts and charisma to thrive, but it needs to also be faceted by tradition and by honoring one another. And so he's got so much to do. And so I think his first few paragraphs of his letter are this, I don't know, ideological appeal. He, he says, we, we, we're going to be running with horses in the midst of this Roman culture. There's going to be those who are carefully and meticulously curating their image. Uh, the honor shame culture is alive and well in these parts. And people would be, you know, jockeying for position. And uh, they wanted to be people of notoriety. And uh, I think Paul saw something within that that was completely antithetical to the gospel. And so as uh, scholars have noted, and I just, uh, you know, I suggest one for you to read if you'd like to read further, Scott McKnight, he says that there's this sense where in the, in the midst of the cursus honorum, the society of honor that uh, was pervasive in Roman culture, Paul planted in its place a cursus pedorum or the way of suffering or the way of loneliness. Uh, for the exchange for the people of God. So he wanted them to stay in the city. He wanted them to be in and among the people, to be civic people, but they also needed to be distinct. And so he uses the cross as the ideological frame for how they should conduct themselves within the world around them. And he used this category folly, which is in strength, uh, which is really interesting. Folly in our language um, has many different meanings. And I remember just doing a deep dive on this word once, just because I was in this passage at one point, maybe preparing a lesson. And some uh, would describe a folly like a false front of a house. So if you've ever uh, driven uh, to a place that wants to convey that, like it's an old, old Western town, you know, with all these shop fronts, and, you know, like the saloon here and the courthouse here and um, you know, the general store here, like they don't actually build the whole store, right? Like you're just kind of going down one dirt road and on both sides of the street, there's all these fronts of these, of these shops and these buildings, but there's nothing in the background. And, um, some, some describe that, define that as folly, something that has a false front, but there's really nothing behind it. And I think that's what Paul was actually pointing at was all this flurry of activity within the Greco-Roman world was folly like it was empty like it may have had like a, a veneer of an appearance of something good but if you um, investigate it further get a little bit closer like it's just not there and so Paul turns this category on its head and he, he's just quite well aware that someone being crucified is not the the best foot forward not the first a good first impression if you want to try to put that religion upon the open market of multiple choices and so uh, Paul just lives into it he embraces it he's like this is not going to be the last time you're going to hear about suffering and about the way of lowliness. Um, but the reason that we say that is not just to be different, not just to be like that gadfly who's bugging everybody, who's trying to make this glittering self-image. No, but at the heartbeat of our story is a God who was crucified, crucified by the world that he loved. And I don't know how out of that, he says, in a mystery, out of that comes the great rescue mission for the world. And so in the weakness of God... It's greater than people's strength. And, and the folly or the foolishness of God is greater than human wisdom. Uh, there's something more to investigate here. It's almost like Paul saying, I want you to investigate them side by side. Investigate the operating software of the Greco-Roman world. Investigate it close. And then 
and in turn, investigate Jesus, follow Jesus, seek Jesus, and see which one has the most substance. The first impression might uh, convince you one way, but if you actually stay longer and if you, if you allow it to, to yourself to steep in its wisdom, you'll find that you'll leave the Greco-Roman model to the side and you'll embrace the way of Jesus. And this is what ministry, part of it's all about, right? In the second letter to the Corinthians, he's going to say that we should take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, many many of an evangelical says that that's like our personal thoughts, you know, thoughts of greed or thoughts of um, thoughts of pride and thoughts of lust or whatever that are the, are the things that uh, we have to c- try to control. And sure, that's part of the spiritual life is to become more disciplined in what our thoughts are. But it's more than that. It's also the pervasive thoughts that shape ideologies because, um, you know, knowledge does have consequences. Ideas do have consequences. And so Paul is not just trying to reach individuals, but I think he's also trying to, with leverage of the gospel, topple over the most popular ideas out there and giving people a chance to rethink all things. And that's what one of the hopes of ministry is, right? It's not just helping individuals square their private spirituality away, but it's also enacting a new way to be human and to put a bunch of those humans together on that pursuit into communities and to go out into our world and begin to reshape and reform and to call people out um, of bondage, out of darkness, into the light and to find their place among the, the community of the beloved and the redeemed so they can be restored and healed as well. So, so with those things in mind, we'll spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this unique movement of people who follow Jesus, that from all over the planet, people are awakened to faith and they embrace the call to gospel. And some are so amazed that they would have ever embraced something quite like this. But we thank you that the love of God sought us, the love of God compels us and constrains us to be about the things that Jesus wants us to be about. God, we confess that um, when we go out into the world, sometimes we are a bit intimidated um, because in some ways um, our faith looks kind of weak and it doesn't look as formidable as other operating so- systems out there or other ideologies that seem to be more dominant, that have more power. So in those moments when we feel faint, God, we simply pray that you would empower your people with the message, empower us with the kindness of God empower us with the mission of God so that we can see more lives transformed and changed all around us. So start within us. Start with us as we go to school and work today. Uh, May your presence rest upon our lives and may we be able to convey the love of God to the people around us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.